1: Thank you for joining us in this moment of silence for the Cincinnati Bengals 2019 season. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. There is no intro music tonight. There is no what up Bengals fans tonight. I don't know why you're listening, but we thank you so much for doing so. Because we're going to keep doing this podcast all year. And honestly, we're going to have some fun tonight. I actually have never laughed this much in a Bengals loss. So despite how terrible things were on the field, I had some fun tonight.
2: Joe, how about you? I was laughing start of third quarter. It it got quickly turned into comedy mode as the Bengals had no answer and didn't seem to even show any semblance of an actual team with any type of game planning or plan or order or even choosing the right players in the lineup. It was, this was a great example of national television for everyone that you know, I th- I think we understand what this team goes through, right? But they were on display for everyone ar- across the country. There is no more
1: secret. The Cincinnati Bengals dropped to 0 and 4 losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers, the arch nemesis on the road, and Andy Dalton looked as mad as I've ever seen him. It was 27 to 3, and after the first two drives of the game or maybe the third drive of the game when Andy Dalton was stripped In the red zone for a strip sack fumble. The Bengals looked hapless for the rest of the game. The offensive line couldn't block a breeze. Joe Mixon did have a few nice runs. If you're looking for any positives, that's the one. Beyond that, John Ross leaves with an injury. Mike Jordan looked like a disaster at left guard. The tackles looked as bad as they've looked all year. The defense still looks slow, getting sideline to sideline. Pittsburgh listened to the podcast and they tested the Bengals laterally.
2: This this was terrible, Jake. This was completely the worst performance I think we've seen from all sixty minutes, top to bottom, all three phases in a long time. I mean, this is pre-Marvin type Bengals. This is nineties Bengals showing at zero and four. And you should be thinking that maybe the the season can only go up from here. But man, I feel like we haven't even reached the floor yet with how they played that there's still much more to go. There's still, we're, we're in for a ride of embarrassment. I, and I feel like we're just seeing the first light of it, that this team is bad and really, really bad.
1: Yeah, I think the Steelers exposed some things that we've been afraid of for a few weeks now. They did exactly what we thought they would do to try to beat the Bengals. They got lateral and it worked. They ran so many little touch passes, jet sweeps, little dump offs. And the Bengals game plan against a quarterback who didn't throw downfield. He had like three throws, maybe more than five yards down the field tonight. One of them came on a busted coverage. A couple just went straight into the dirt where no receivers were even close. But the Bengals were giving up tons of space underneath. So even when they did drop into zones, Rudolph could take those little checkdowns. And then the Bengals can't tackle. And they're not fast. And they're not disciplined. And they're leaving holes in their zone. There was one play I remember a third down that I tweeted about where the Steelers had three guys going into routes on the left side of the field and the Bengals had two guys covering that half of the field on his own blitz. You can't make it any easier than that. And and Pittsburgh picked it all up too.
2: I got a big problem with Lou Anarumo and the way the defense is called. After week one, we were excited because there are multiple, they're doing different things, right? Well, look at this. This is fun. This is a good game plan versus Seattle. And now the, the other teams know what they're doing. And, The fire zone blitz stuff, you see why a lot of teams don't do it the way the LeBeau Steelers did it. Um, It's not very successful in this league right now when you uh, really just rush with four guys. The Bengals are instead dropping Carlos Dunlap and Sam Hubbard and then bringing a safety in a corner to blitz. Well, how does that make you better? Especially when everyone's playing deep zone, you're giving up easy catches and saying, "Okay, we'll come up and make tackles. Well, you're a bad tackling team against Mason Rudolph, who won't test you deep. He's not going to throw it deep. He did, for the first time all year, basically completed a pass, and that's because the Bengals almost had a bust, or kind of a bust, as Drake Kirkpatrick decided he wanted to pass off, off a receiver that he shouldn't have at the time. So I, I'm very confused. That's where on the offensive side we say, okay, well, they should be doing this and that, but they're hamstrung by their uh, O-line and, and skill positions and quarterback. But on defense, I'm kind of – you know, I think you can get around some of the issues. You've got strength on the D-line and in the secondary, but they're kind of taking those strengths completely off the field or not using them fully and saying, oh, we don't know why we're bad. We're just we're, we're going to drop Hubbard and Dunlap into coverage and hope that's the best thing for us. And we're going to drop Andrew Billings into coverage for sure. some reason.
1: At least you can see why maybe a couple times a game, one of those two, Hubbard or Dunlap, need to drop into coverage. but sure. Why are we dropping Geno Atkins, Andrew Billings, Josh Tupo, any of those big guys that play inside into coverage? And this is something that's happened. Yeah, you can
2: design a blitz with more than just four guys coming. You can have your four rushers plus the safety and a linebacker. Right now, there seem like they only want to rush four on a blitz. And that means if you're going to do that, you have to drop a D lineman into coverage. It just doesn't make sense. They're not finishing the few pressures
1: they have. This is the second week in a row where they didn't get much pressure this week, especially as compared to last week, where they at least hurried Josh Allen a little bit. Against Pittsburgh, they had maybe a a handful of hurries and didn't finish any of them with the sack. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh had eight sacks, and that's just absolutely embarrassing. The fact that this team continued to run a struggling Mike Jordan out there for four quarters, they put Billy Price in on the last drive of the game, and then he gets embarrassed too. By Tyson Alualu, of all people, nobody could block anybody. I think the only Bengals player that was remotely decent was, again, this is a refrain at this point,
2: Trey Hopkins. Right, and Andy Dalton was probably pressured ten times and, and resulted in eight sacks. He's, the linemen are getting cleanly beaten. I mean, they're getting beaten to the point where they've got almost free rushes to the quarterback and and easy hits on, on the quarterback, where the Bengals, like you said, may have had five pressures on – Mason Rudolph, don't get any sacks because they're still getting blocked as they're getting pressured on the quarterback. It's just a completely wholly different situation. It's something we talked about with Bobby Hart versus uh, Cordy Glenn in the offseason when their stats look pretty similar, but it's how they're getting beaten that's the big difference. And Bobby Hart is just, man, what a, what a liability is at right tackle. I understand why Andre Smith and then John Jerry, who replaced him in the fourth quarter, are liabilities at left tackle. But the Bengals chose to sign. Uh, bobby hart at the right tackle spot they chose to start michael jordan at the left guard spot and then still tried to run their offense as if those guys were going to hold up and then put let's see ozama right block tj watt for two of those sacks because why not a tight end can block a defensive end they can't in the nfl can
1: we stop doing that around the league please there's a lot to fix for the bengals who are now firmly in the race for that number one overall pick with miami in a race to the bottom guys
2: let's talk about sex Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKED ON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's blue dot Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. If you found
1: $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. MyBookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff. If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit just use promo code LOCKED ON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKED ON. Visit mybookie.ag today to play so you win
2: and get paid. And what likely will go down as the worst start of his career, especially these uh, first four games, first quarter of the season, Andy Dalton was 21 of 37 for 171 yards, zero touchdowns, and an interception on the day. Um, I actually felt bad for him. He he was getting destroyed back there. He had no time. It looked like even when he did have a little bit of time, he must not have seen the the guy open that he was primarily looking at because you could see quickly his eyes would drop and he'd he'd start to turn into a runner. I mean, and that's what happens when guys are beaten into submission, and it's been three years now. Uh, And I, I tweeted during the game, he might be fried. And this happens to quarterbacks, to like, you know, like go back to like David Carr. Um, if they are beaten and beaten and beaten, they tend to break. And we might be at that point because he's not playing well through the first quarter of the season. And the only reason to start the segment with him is because he is the quarterback and because he impacts nearly every play of the game. And um, when you're scoring, about 15 points per game, you're going to lose a lot of games and the Bengals are right now. So, uh, Jake, what did you think of the quarterback play today and the passing offense as a whole?
1: I thought Dalton started out pretty okay on the first couple drives of the game, and then the pressure started getting home. It kind of felt like one of those old games, like last year, where they were going to come out and the scripted drives were going to go well. They moved the ball. They picked up 20 quick yards. And then suddenly they get behind the chains a little bit and everything goes off the rails. And then they come back. They get a possession in the red zone. He throws a should-have-been touchdown pass to Tyler Eifert that I thought was mm-hmm. a really good throw. Yep. And then after that, for the entire remainder of the game, the completions he did have were almost exclusively behind his target. And he, he misfired a few other times. And there was that point in the third quarter when he goes out the field and you never see Andy Dalton get that angry right. on TV. You just never see it. Maybe he gets mad in the locker room when there aren't reporters around, but he's said to be really kind guy, even-keeled kind of guy, and he was pissed, and he was playing pissed. I, I think that he wasn't making you know optimal decisions, but at that point, who cares, right? right. We were just watching his press conference a little bit mid-recording here, and he just sounds... I feel so bad for him. I really do. Because he had a chance to be an above-average quarterback, you know, at this point in his career still. We've seen him be an above-average quarterback in his career, but at this point, it's interesting that you said David Carr, because that's exactly who I was thinking about when I'm thinking about you take eight sacks in a game and more hits on top of that. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have a bad reaction, and that's exactly what happened to David
2: Carr. I kind of started thinking about Andrew Luck and Carson Palmer also. Yeah. And because the, how the team fell around Palmer and he felt like, you know, this, t- this franchise is never going to win anything. And how Andrew Luck, he had injuries. You know, uh, Dalton said the thumb thing, but not nearly as bad as Luck. But you could see the way Luck was talking as, yeah, as a defeated man, you know, at that point and how he just, you know, you got to make decisions with your life at that point. But just listening to Andy right then and there during that press conference, I was like, woof um yeah he just doesn't seem as because he's always positive right even in bad losses bad games he comes out and he's he seems to uh you know think it's they're turning the corner or there's a lot of positives out there that they that we may not recognize it it didn't seem like that just off the, the little bit we watched but uh yeah so i guess this leads into uh what are we watching for on you know the rest of the year is is are a lot of people going to tune out are you guys going to tune out if you're listening right now I why are you listening I guess you are like we said I appreciate it but I think it's crazy I want to listen to this right now I don't want to talk anything about Bengals I don't want to watch a film review I don't want to oh my god this is so bad they're just so bad on all phases and even the young guys that we had hoped for are either hurt or not getting the opportunities or not playing I mean they don't are they getting any impact from this rookie class right now in any phase? I mean, Michael Jordan's playing, but he's terrible. He shouldn't be out there. They're getting nothing.
1: It is a rough start to the year for sure. I mean, even if you get down to guys like Jesse Bates, I, I hesitate to blame him for that blown coverage today. It looked like William Jackson was in man with with uh, Bates deep, and Drake Kirkpatrick thought maybe it was cover three back there. Or, right. It certainly looked like he was trying to pass him off, and then he realized, oh, I'm not passing him off. So I don't know who to blame there, but regardless, it's very hard to find silver linings in a game like this. Uh, there are a few funny moments. I thought John Ross <laughs> signaling for that first down when he's on the ground. He hasn't gotten up yet, but he catches a ball. The stealer gets off in the tackle, and he cheeky signals for the first down while he's laying on the ground. I thought that was hilarious.
2: Is that the one-hander? Uh, that had it might to one-hander, right? Yeah. It, and that, that play was the most fun play for the Bengals of all night because, man, Joe Mixon clears that blitz. Now, that guy's trying to stop, right, and he starts falling, but Mixon's going 100 miles an hour at him, full speed to clear him out of this in this pickup, and he just decapitates that that stealer, and then Ross makes a one-handed grab. Um, yeah, the receivers really made no impact. The, the offense made no impact on the game at all. Positively or negatively. It's right. They didn't they didn't even get they turned the one ball over. That was it. But besides that, they just it was third and long every time. It just and then they punted. There was nothing there. They were giving up sacks all day. Yeah. The running game actually worked pretty well in this game. It
1: did. Again, two
2: games in a row. And
1: it was just too late. They were throwing the ball a lot more early, and by the time they started running in the fourth quarter, all the neutral Twitter observers, all the fantasy guys, national writers that I follow are like, the Bengals are running the ball in the fourth quarter down three scores. What are we doing? Right. And yeah, what are we doing? But like, what what do you want? You want them to get Andy Dalton killed? Right. I don't know what it, else they're supposed to do at that point.
2: It seemed like they're only running it just to do it. You know, because the game was done. They, mm-hmm. they can't drop back and pass. They can't do it. I, I, that's why I set the table with one minute to go before the half. And I said, here's the fun. Sarcastically, because they can't drop back and pass protect. They can't do it. It can't happen. And against this this team right now, I thought the silent count sucked all day. I don't know if you, everyone notices, right? John Miller waving his hand in front of Trey Hopkins, lets him know when to snap it. That's so everyone on the offense without Andy Dalton yelling, you know, hot or, or set turbo was what he was yelling this time. Um, But so Andy doesn't have to yell it. everyone. The receivers, tight ends are all looking in when John Miller swipes his hand out there. Everyone knows, okay, one count two count, whatever they agree on. And then we're going to go. And, seemed like the Steelers knew what it was all night. And you already have a bad O-line, and you're letting them jump it the way they were. Man, it wasn't until the fourth quarter where they said, okay, we'll have Hopkins put his head down before and then snap it, which is fine. You just have to vary it up a little bit. And they it took them four drives before I felt like they even went from a one-count to a two-count on it. I was trying to pay attention to it at that point, and it was just silly at that point.
1: There were a couple times I think they got the Steelers to jump momentarily and then they would go change the play and then the Steelers would respond by changing the play. I noticed that a little bit. The screen game was atrocious for the Bengals tonight. And I'm not talking just about picking the times to call the screens. Those might have been correct decisions, but the play design itself is really, really bad. The Bengals' success rate on screens in 2019 has got to be in the ballpark of 10%, and that might be being generous. They had that one big screen to Joe Mixon that went for 30-some-odd yards. But that's the only screen I remember being successful this year, and they've tried a bunch.
2: Right. You do it to slow down the pass rush. Without the screens, they're going to get murdered. And they, they can't stick with the run, so they must feel they can't use the play action because it's really not there, and you know not to the extent it should be. So they, they want to use the screens to slow down the rush. And they can't execute them. And you watch the Steelers do it, and I got a lot of the same responses. There's a lot of a lot of interaction on Twitter tonight. It was actually great on that that aspect. But watch the Steelers' green game, and they'd send all four receivers deep, and then they, it's basically like a dump off and let the, let the O-linemen get out there to block. Now, you don't need great O-linemen to do that because they don't have anyone to block, so that's great. But the Bengals are kind of asking the receivers to stay short, help block, plus the O-line block, and there's someone there, or two guys, or three Steelers there, Every single time the intended target catches the ball or tries to, the timing's completely off. I thought Dalton threw it too early, maybe three times, and that's been a few times this year where I'm like, you gotta hold your water, you gotta be able to drift in that pocket and then make that throw. You gotta invite that rush in, and there, that's not happening. So the screen game is non-existent, and it's just making the pass rush even more potent against this O line.
1: I think the other extenuating circumstance—I don't know if that's the right phrase for this—but The Bengals, compared to the Steelers, are just turning guys loose at Dalton. You watch the Steelers block screens, they're actually punching guys and then releasing, or sometimes even carrying those blocks all the way to the screen. You watch one successful screen for the Steelers in this game, Pouncey's blocking Tupou all the way until the play is past him. They never disengage. That's just part of this play. The Steelers did score one touchdown on what should have been an illegal man downfield, but, I mean, whatever. You can challenge it.
2: He well, passed interfered. He blocked 52 while the ball's in the air. Is that OPI or is that a legal downfield? I can say it's OPI. You have a defender oh. and he's being contacted
1: while the ball's in the air. It can't be challenged because it was a touchdown. So that review needed to come from the officials and they
2: didn't review ah, it. you're right. They didn't review it. You're correct, sir. I retract. I'm sorry, Zach Taylor
1: tough going for Zach Taylor let's talk about Zach Taylor and that start let's talk about the coaching staff a little bit how much of this is on the coaching staff how much of it is on the players are both of them just a disaster is it a perfect terrible marriage we'll switch gears talk about the coaching staff the roster construction and the future in our third segment
0: is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements
2: So how the hell did we get here, Jake? I mean, I, I can't help but to look back and think of, you know, start from January to this point because this team wasn't that bad. This team shouldn't be talent-wise. Yeah, they've had injuries. But I think on paper they shouldn't be on pace right now. I mean, we're talking about two wins, right? Look at this team and how they've played, how many points they're scoring on offense. They're not getting anything schemed for them from this coaching staff. They hired a young quarterback, guru, offensive coordinator. They're not getting any advantage of that right now. I go back to the the hiring of Zach Taylor. Did they, I mean, I think we should all question if they made the right choice at this point. I know it's only four games, but through four games, we shouldn't be excited at all. We should be nervous actually. Uh, and then you think of the coordinators they brought in, especially on the defensive side, the old line coach and the continued mistakes there, how he wanted to, Billy Price. They I mean, I'm sorry. No. But that could be all we can go back two years and talk about Billy Price. That's not what I meant to say. Bobby Hart. He wanted. The Bengals coveted Bobby Hart by the coaching staff in free agency? So Duke Tobin signed off on that? Give him the money? Man, we can go back to that right now. They picked him to play. That's crazy to me. Uh and then going all the way to the defensive coordinator, we were concerned with the process during that time of how long it was taking, how it didn't they didn't seem to have a plan, how the kind of guys they were hiring were 3-4, fire zone, Dick LeBeau uh, type of players that, that played under and coached under him. And it's a mess. It's a complete mess, again, on the defensive side like it was last year. I mean, th- if this was a veteran staff, we'd be asking for some people to get fired after four weeks. We would.
1: And I think I am asking for people to get fired anyway. And and they're not likely to do it in a rookie coach's first year. I think that the Bengals will extend some loyalty to Zach Taylor. Maybe they see this like Shula 2.0 and they say, you know what? We screwed up. Let's keep going until we get something right. Because that's kind of what it was for the Bengals. They were going through coaches until one of those guys, and that was Marvin Lewis, got them to 8-8 eight and eight one year. And maybe they think, all right, we're going to do this again. We're going to give everybody one year to show they can turn it around. I hope Zach Taylor gets another year. I, I want to like Zach Taylor. I want to like Brian Callahan. But I agree with the concerns that you've outlined. The fact that, you know, they wanted to bring Bobby Hart back. And we understand that that was Jim Turner's desire. That was Jim Turner pushing to bring Bobby Hart back. That's a problem. And the fact that you've got a GM in name, Duke Tobin. At this point, we're really questioning Duke Tobin, right? Because the priority moves for the Bengals this offseason were re-sign Bobby Hart. Extend Preston Brown. Jeez.
2: Right? Resign Preston, yeah. He was a free agent.
1: Bring in John Miller, who, mixed bag, has had two really bad games in a row now, I'm pretty sure. Uh, You know, draft a tight end in the second round, trade up for a backup quarterback and an offensive guard who looks awful. And Michael Jordan might eventually be a fine player. He's a rookie fourth-round pick. So when talking about expectations for Jordan, he could get better. But he has been bad so far. And then you go back to last year, Billy Price, a panic pick. You go back to John Ross, not taking a quarterback when you had two potential quarterbacks sitting there without even having to trade up. Or you could take Marshawn Lattimore and get a shutdown corner. I mean, regardless, you can go back and look. And it's been a bad few years for roster construction. And it's been a bad few years for coach selection. And the Bengals gave Zach Taylor a lot of leeway there. And he brought in his guys and that ended up being Lou Anarumo and Jim Turner, who he was with in Miami. And we talked about the fact that that Miami team wasn't very
2: good. And now the Bengals aren't very good. He's never coached a good offensive line. You go back and look at the numbers throughout his career, he's never. So, I mean, these are things we've said. And there's the talent up there sucks right now. So you get a pass for that. But when you pick some of these bad players to play and start and then defend them, the one good move he did make was, admit that Trey Hopkins was a better center. So thank you very much. We do appreciate that. Uh, But I mean, and it goes to Duke Tobin for signing Andre Smith to say, all right, you're our guy here instead of, you know, making a legitimate move. And, and the other
1: guy, the other Jim Turner guy, you know, who else we need to play left tackle in case Andre Smith gets hurt, because we can't rely on Cordy Glenn is John Jerry, a left guard. Who's been out of football for a year. That's who we want to be our contingency tackle.
2: They don't have a left tackle on the roster right now. No. Because Andre Smith is not a left tackle anyways. He no. never was. Never. So you you have, and I understand, Jonah Williams got hurt. You tried to address this situation. I get it. But when your last four offensive line picks, premium offensive line picks, since 2015, guys, there's been four of them, none of them are helping you right now. None. And I'm talking he Fisher, Price, and Jonah, if we've already forgotten already, because two of those guys are basically out of the league. Uh, but they're not helping you. And that's how your team should be constructed. We're looking at this team and wondering why there's such a emptiness of talent on the O-line. And you really don't have to wonder. You just remember, oh, yeah, they've fucked up the draft completely for the last four years.
1: And that is so painful for you and I in particular because of how much we like the draft. And I'm already looking forward to next year. I'm looking at all the early big boards coming out. Can't and help it's, it. it's easy right now. You pick Tua. Yeah, because they really got the number one pick right now. Right now they do. Is that official? Or is it still, like, is there a tiebreaker that says it's Washington? Have, do you have any idea?
2: Uh, I don't know that as of now. They, it was a, after week three they had the number one pick. So I don't know if, it, you know, one game has changed that. Washington lost to a division rival in the Giants. Bengals lost to a division rival in the Steelers. Both teams were um, – very bad also, so their, their strength of schedule shouldn't change too much.
1: Yeah, I can't tell. There are four 0-4 teams in the NFL right now, though. Miami, Cincinnati, Denver, and Washington in the race to the bottom. Miami by far has the worst point differential out of those teams, so you'd assume that Miami is the worst team in the NFL. I think that's a debate at this
2: point. Um, oh, no. Miami is number one right now. Their strength of schedule is a .484. The Bengals are a .492. That Week 16 game in Cincinnati is going to be big. Who can lose harder? (laughs) (laughs) At that point, they've got to
1: be actively tanking that game, right? They can't go out there and be like, you know what? We We want to get a win over the team we're directly competing with to pick our quarterback.
2: If they have any sort of plan, and it's actually a legit question in Week 16, I swear to God if they win that game, <laughs> they could drive me to the edge. If I'm not there already by Week 16 and they've got one win.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, the good news is there's like six quarterbacks I saw today in Dame Brugler's top 60 over yes. at The Athletic. Yeah, And that's with Joe Burrow in the 50s, I think.
2: Right, and that's, there's a lot of one-year starters. That's why Burrow being um, basically one of them. He did play last year, but he wasn't good last year. So when I, I'm saying one good year of, of starting experience. And we're not there yet. We're not talking about that
1: yet, right? I think I'm talking I hope, about Tua because I, I got a bunch of mentions today saying, we don't need to draft a quarterback next year. We need to draft offensive linemen. And I'm sitting here like, man, here's why you don't have to draft offensive linemen. You can address offensive line in the NFL by other means than a first round pick especially if you're in the top three if you right. don't have your quarterback and you're picking in the top fucking three you're picking a goddamn quarterback.
2: yeah this is true and because you're, you're to your point is you can sign a free agent lineman you can't sign a free agent good. you quarterback. can
1: get a lineman in the second round. you can't get you a fucking can, quarterback in the second round
2: not based on statistics i know we have Andy Dalton but you can't plan for a second round quarterback it just doesn't happen you can get a starting lineman in the third round fourth round it happens way more uh, than it does at quarterback. So if you're picking top five, you're you you're looking at a quarterback. And there's the thing, too. Dalton's under contract for another year, so if you, you want to send him out there to get his ass whooped for another year and not put that on Tua or Herbert, like feel free to do that and uh, just completely destroy that man, who's, who's now I'm feeling really bad for. But point being is, you get Jonah back and then if some things fall your way, you take a second-round offensive lineman or linebacker. Please, God, hopefully one day. Not in the third round. And Maybe things get a little bit better. I can't believe we're talking about this already.
1: It's September 30th. We're recording for October 1st. Everything is on fire in the Bengals universe. (laughs) Remember when we had hope?
2: No, I don't. It's so long ago already. It was after week
1: one. We thought they would sign a tackle. They would go out there, maybe sign one of these linebackers, drafted Devin. Devin Bush was good night, by the way, despite all the shit I talked on Twitter um we thought you know they will address offensive line through the draft maybe find a playmaker wide receiver in the second or third round we thought they'd signed Shaquille Baird at one point he's having a
2: hell of a wow. season nine sacks for Tampa through four games interception he forced a couple interceptions throughout the year now already on pressures
0: he's Three been fantastic
2: stumbles. yeah they offered him a contract too If if you didn't I talked about it on Twitter for the first time. I don't believe I talked about it originally, but they did offer him a contract. He chose the Buccaneers over the Bengals, despite getting, from what I understand, $1 million less from the Buccaneers.
1: It's a painful time to be a Bengals fan. He's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. If he keeps it up. Sure. But yeah. through four weeks, he is. Oh, yeah. I mean, nine sacks? Even if even if they're cleanup sacks, nine sacks is a hell of a lot of sacks and. That's on pace for 36 sacks. Right. It's That's insane. insane.
2: Oh, I think it's happened like three times in the NFL history, and those guys came close or broke the sack record each time.
1: It's not like Tampa has like a studly defensive line either. He's winning.
2: He's kicking ass.
1: Good for him. One last thing I want to talk about is that penalty they called on Andrew Billings.
2: Yeah, that sucked. That was bullshit, huh? Yeah, they just were locked with each other. Both guys had a grip on the other guy's Shoulder. Marquise I think they thought,
1: kicked somebody.
2: Yeah, I saw that. I think they thought Billings had his hands up in Pouncy's face, neck area, but he, he didn't. Pouncy did go to the sideline and hold his nose, so
1: he might have got hit yeah, in the did. face at some yeah. point. I yeah, um, did see that. I I just the whole game was miserable to watch because John Perry was in the goddamn booth with those guys talking about that 2015 game as like, if he has any credibility whatsoever. Can we just never talk about that game again? First of all, ESPN pushed it down our throats tonight. Why do they gotta do us that way? They're like glorifying Bill Coward, and Heinz Ward and and talking about Vontez Burfict as if he's still our problem. And bring John Perry into the booth. Why you gotta do that to us, man?
2: No, I hear you. But Burfict is news though. Suspended for the year as of now until that gets, uh, you know, maybe fought a little bit by the NFLPA if they choose to fight it.
1: I'm not watching another Bengals Steelers game on ESPN. I just, I can't, well, it's, it's terrible. It's not fun. There's not, I'll, I'll put it on mute.
2: Well, good luck for you. You don't have quarter. to this year at all.
1: Thank God. I think that's going to do it for the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We have degenerated into bitching Madness? and complaining. That too. Yeah. We're all mad at this point, right? If you're still listening right now.
2: You're crazy. I Listen, mean, if, thank you. If you're, Yeah, thank you. (laughs) If you're still listening right now, um, send us a code word on the Lockdown Twitter account. That code word today is hopeless. So tweet hopeless at Lockdown Bengals, and we will follow you back because you are crazy for still following or listening, not following. No, follow us. Just don't listen to us anymore. Don't don't listen to me there either.
1: This is where we are, Bengals fans. For all of you masochists who are hanging out with us, I hope that we can at least share in our suffering, get through the season together. Until next time, you crazy, crazy, crazy people who call yourselves Bengals fans, have a good one.